The Brum Radio Shop is now open with all sorts of Brum Radio stuff with everything from t-shirts and hoodies to mugs and posters and much more. Support Brum Radio. Go to brumradio.com and click on shop. Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. Right, ladies and gentlemen, Paul, who's Hello. my lovely lad, if you could, he's very chipper. Tell everybody why you're so <laughs> chipper today, love. Uh, well, Formula One's back today, so obviously I've got some purpose <laughs> to my life. Why do you like it so much? <laughs> that is, that's a good question. I've always watched it since I was a kid, so I guess it's just, it's always been part of my life. I've never had to think why I like it. I just like it. It's the speed and the, and the excitement and unpredictability, I think. Right, right. Yeah, we could turn this into a Formula One podcast if you want, but I sense we've got... Listen, are there any Formula One podcasts? Oh, you, if there are... Oh, right, you listen to them. <laughs> what kind of things do they listen to him laughing? What kind of things do they talk about, Paul? Mainly, you know, who's good, who's bad, the new technologies, <laughs> how fast the cars go, who's had a bad crash, how they survived it. Oh, I don't like that. No. Do you like the idea of crashing? Well, no, you want I don't get, like that, Paul. You like, when something happens, you want to, like, get close to crashing but not crash, you know, it's... It's right. the, the, the defying the, is the exciting bit, defying the crashing rather than actually, actually crashing. crashing yeah. oh, getting, well, close, right, getting close, very dangerous, but then veering away at the last second. What kind of a driver are you, Paul? Would you say you're a formula type of driver? <laughs> I don't drive, that's the funny thing. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't make it up, no, no, is that I'd, true? If I'd, I'd drive you around to all your gigs if, if I could drive. Oh uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Mm. It is a travel I didn't like. Yeah. I did a funny thing on Facebook Live yesterday. I've been doing that because it doesn't oh, take I, any of your storage up. Did you see it? If, if, you had, if Barbara Nice offers you any wine... <laughs> Do not accept. And I don't explain why. Well, the hilarious thing is, I've already made some. Oh, I've God. already made some elderberry, elderflower champagne, oh, and I've that. drunk it. I hope it's not that paranthal. If you're not listening, go onto my Facebook. It's been, I mean, if you are listening, but you don't watch on my face, you know what I'm talking about. It's very funny. I'm out and about because I'm doing these like daily briefing things, and it, it cheers me up actually. So I think, don't feel great every day. You're already human after all. So I go for me run and walk, and then I think oh I might do something and then I sort of realised that all the videos look exactly the same they always start off looking at grass I thought oh it needs to start off looking at something different I thought well I'll just I'll focus on these bushes and then went oh blinking egg the elderberries good I want to pick some I wonder if anybody's got a recipe for elderberry wine and that's when it started and after about 10 messages down somebody said they're not elderberries Barbara it was genuinely very very funny but if you need to get rid of gene pickles you know how now poisoner Barbara nice plant poisoner I'll tell you what was very good it's better than that app for plants you just show it on I'm not bothering with that app now I'm going to get rid of it I'm deleting it because I've not got enough storage but there was one you, you take a picture of a plant and it tells you where it is oh. but it's not always that good whereas oh. i think facebook live straight away people knew <laughs> well, that yeah. it wasn't out of berries it works for you bar because you've got a fan base but i think the average person can't really try it. oh i'm with you do you think it wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> oh i see what was this no answer <laughs> 
I like Facebook like it's like throwing little bits of bread on the road and then all these lovely birds fly down mm. from the Facebook land <laughs> at the beginning it's funny because you're on your own you think is there anybody there then yeah. you start to see these eyes the and then somebody says Aya and all those lovely hearts it puts you in a good mood it's very very nice and I knew it's I was la I was properly laughing yeah. at that the poison plant somebody said don't go can't wait for mushroom season Barbara <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm <laughs> Very funny. So we've got a lovely guest today, Jen Brister. I'm hoping that she'll be coming on in a minute. If you're wondering about what the show is, and it must seem a weird old show we've been talking about. Formula, Formula racing, poisonous. picking poisonous berries, <laughs> things like that. Facebook Live. This is Barbara Nice and Friends, in which I, Barbara Nice, with the aid of lovely Paul, talk to friends I have met over the years and have a good talk. But how many have we, how many have we done over these uh, now, over the lockdown in period total, there's about 60 oh in lockdown it's about 52 in total it's about 68 it's unbelievable and i think been churning I, have, I have to ask you if we've gone, yeah because uh, we were in the eye paper the other day oh yes and i think the hits have gone up considerably and we've hit the french charts oh uh, i'm glad comedy charts on itunes so i don't know if we've had any publicity in i better say something <laughs> bonjour bon jovi Okay, that'll be good. Okay, that's our five French listeners, thank you. I'm amazed, he's in France. If you are any of these people in France, in Finland, where else was it? Oh, Australia, Lebanon. New Zealand, Lebanon. Oh, how, how brilliant. Let us know. We've got um, a Twitter feed. It'd be very nice to know about our Lebanese listeners mm. and the French listener. Yeah, Bon Jovi duo. So <laughs> I'm glad. And that's to do with the eye paper. It's, it's, is it true, do you think, Paul, as Joe Orton, that very good writer, yeah. said that there's no such thing as bad publicity? Not that it was bad publicity, no. but is all publicity good, Paul? Well, they've heard of us. Even if it, I guess, if it was a review slagging us off, people might come and listen. And we don't. People get this on the internet. Even if you watch or listen to something you hate, it still mm. gives us a, a, new, a bigger number. It's interesting, so, isn't hate. it? Oh, yeah. I've interrupted our. She's here. Uh, yeah, hello. Oh, are you, Jen? How are you, love? I'm all right. I'm surviving. <laughs> surviving. How about you? All right, love. It's up and down, isn't it? I found it's very nice when you talk to people. It breaks a kind of a spell. Have you, have you been seeing... How old are your kids now? Five. Oh, my goodness gracious me. seems... I remember talking to you in Coventry and they weren't... They were only little and they weren't sleeping and you was knackered. Are you still knackered? Was that when we went out for a drink with Maureen? Yeah, it was, love, yeah. Nice. Yeah, they are sleeping now. Thank God for that. But, yeah, it's, you know... It's been it's been weird. It's it's just weird not having a job. Oh, okay, I know that love. Because we're used to you're a grafter like me. We're grafters, aren't we? And then suddenly overnight, I'm not sure the general public realise really what happened. All the work in our in our diaries just slipped off. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? What what kind of stuff were you lined up to do, Jen? Tour. Oh God. I had a tour. I I, I, I stopped. I think I was ten dates into a fifty date tour. And, yeah, so I was due to, to be, to, uh, the, the tour would have finished sort of mid to late May. Um, right. And then June and July, I was picking up other bits and bobs. But um, that was going to be, you know, the lion's share of my income, you know. Oh, Jen, and now we are talking about a lot of income there as well, aren't we? Well, it was, it was going to be 80% of my income for the year so um i mean obviously now i have no income but um uh well i mean i get you know like all of us i pick up the odd gig here and there but it's not yeah. the same is it it's, it's it's weird it's just a weird sort of 
time but and you know like a lot of people have it worse and uh so just trying to like i just i tell you what i think is weird is there's no certainty as to when we can go back i know it's very difficult i i'm i'm uh, like paul foot very much I think he's very funny and when i i heard him on this um podcast he was chatting he was saying barbara i don't think we're going to be going back to 20 until 2025 and things like that so he's just oh making me God, laugh don't say that, <laughs> i know flipping heck i'll be 50 <laughs> it just made me i know it just made me laugh <laughs> But it, there is a lot of uncertainty, and I think it, it's in the whole of the kind of live gigging, theatre. It, it's, yeah, I think we're in a particular position, really, this industry, isn't it? And all those, it's breaking my heart, all these theatres closing, these venues disappearing forever. Venues that have been around for years, you know, and, and provide people with jobs and us with venues to perform at. And yeah, I just, oh, it's a bit depressing, really. And the government don't seem to give a flying. Have we started, by the way? Because I'm. Yeah, this is this is the podcast. A lot of people say this to me. It's about half, about three quarters way through. People go, "When does this start?" So, well, we nearly finished, love. Oh right, <laughs> I was just about to go into some socialist rant about the government. <laughs> Are you happy with what you've said so far? Yeah, well, I mean, I stand by everything I've said so far. But I was just about to go into one about Boris Johnson. I thought people don't want to hear that. Stay alert. Oh, stay fucked, mate. That's what I say to you. Anyway, yeah, it's the uncertainty, isn't it? And I think it's the same for everybody. Is that none of us really know when things will. I suppose never. They'll never go back to the way they were. But we'll sort of have some semblance of what they used to be. There's a lot about it that I didn't like how it used to be. To be frank, I am going to say one thing to you. I think, Paul, we can't use the F word, can we, on this podcast? Right. No. More work for me. <laughs> You'll have to take the pickety pickety bit out. Yeah, all of the F. <laughs> it's all right. It is good what you're saying. And it is this. We just honestly, it's a wide ranging chat with a wide range of people and wide range of subjects. It's all right, love. Honestly. Don't so listen, you've got the kids at home, and we'll talk about this book in a minute because you've got you've got a book doing very well. Is it nice spending time with the kids? Because we're always all over the place, isn't it? Has it been nice being at home a bit? It, do you know what? It really has. And one of the things that I think that I've gotten out of this whole, you know, whatever this is, this whole experience, <laughs> the, the FTF of it all, yeah, TF of this is. That <laughs> <laughs> It's really bad. Um, it's, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Keep it clean, Brister. Is that um, uh, I, I haven't missed the travel, you know, in our job. Mm, we, 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 yeah. We're out on the road, every, you know, four or five nights a week. Uh, and yeah. it's so lovely to not to just I don't think I've spent this much time not traveling in decades like at least 20 years i can't remember the last time it's unbelievable isn't it on a train or in a car or on a coach or something and this 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 kind of time to spend and also of course my children are young they're five it's lovely Mm. um but i'm getting to spend this much time with them i mean equally i'm not gonna lie it's also (laughs) can you go away and leave me alone just um, That's right. You know, I, I, I have lots found myself locking myself in the toilet and pretending I'm having a poo just for some time out. And the kids have caught on. But it, you, you do look to find ways of just, you know, being 
alone and uh and what you know what it's like as a stand-up comedian you you really get that time on your own don't you because you can be on a train or even in the car driving but you can have a podcast on or you can have a chat to a mate on the phone or whatever you're doing but now you're just with your kids <laughs> so you know swings and roundabouts but yeah on the whole of course I'm, I'm loving spending this time with them I do think it's true about that as uh, in our line of business we are used to spending a lot of time on our own and it is trying to adapt to it isn't it it's, it's funny it's a funny job really do you think you you, are you looking forward to going back? I was talking to a couple of comedians last night and they were saying, well, I can't wait to go back. There's a bit of me that thinks, why do we have to keep travelling? Can we not just keep it local? Well, I don't know. Do you think travelling to venues and spreading the word is part of the job or could we just do something in our, you know, on the corner of our road or, you know, a local pub? Is travelling essential? That's what I want to know. I think it's tricky, isn't it? It's tricky because the nature of what we do to make a living, it, it would be difficult to find enough venues where you could perform in, uh, enough in order to make a living. I do, I do think, as I said, that the not traveling has been so good that I wonder if I could go back to doing what I was before, which was just being on the road relentlessly. And I, I don't think I was enjoying it, if I'm honest. Uh, and I don't think I enjoyed the relentless um, uh, moving, you know. So I, I think if I go back, I'd like to think that I would adapt and pivot a little bit and maybe do less or try to find ways of doing less traveling. Um, inevitably, if you are on tour, that's that's impossible. You have to travel. But outside of that, in terms of just gigging, yeah, I think I'd like to. I'd, I would like to do less, but I don't know how I'd then. You know, it's just you're just trying to make a living. Aren't you? That's what we're all trying to do, and it's quite tricky to do that if you're not prepared to go the distance. Yeah, and I can see how doing a tour, a well-planned tour, would be really good because it would you'd get to see loads of people. You know what you were doing, and then you wouldn't have to take all those little gigs that take us all up and down the country all the time. That's tiring. So touring is actually in a strange way less tiring, I think. So I'm really sorry you lost all that work. It's are you going to be able to do that same tour at another point? Yeah, I mean, probably not. I don't know. I mean, I've got dates booked in autumn, which is becoming clearly apparent that they're not going to happen. Then my the people, the guys, uh, Little Wonder, that are organising my tour, who are absolutely brilliant, they have also backed up some dates to happen in the spring in case the ones in the autumn don't happen. So they're, they're, they've really had to work three times as hard for a tour that may not happen. Um, so uh, I'm hoping that some semblance of the tour will happen in the spring. If it seems like that's not going to happen, I think it's unlikely that I'll do anything with this show and I'll just bury it and um, because it will be out of date and it won't be the show it won't mean the same thing that it meant to me like at the end of last year and and at the beginning of this year it will be another year and i think i will have moved on and we the world will have moved on won't it with with covid so i'll have to come up with something else so it, it it's um but you know it, it is what it is it's, it's not the worst thing in the world that my show doesn't get to tour but um <laughs> I the agree world, with that. Uh, the world has really, what a loss for society. Um, 
you know, I mean, it's a financial, financially, it's a bit of a stinger, but ultimately, you know, and and by the time, hopefully, we get round to the spring, I don't know, I, 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 I'm hoping, uh, Barbara, that I'll have adapted and I'll have like, um, I, you know, uh, uh, I'll, I'll be writing or, or, or I'll, have, I'll have another project that'll sustain me through this barren period of, of no performing. What, what are you doing? How are you coping? I'm doing a lot of Zoom stuff. I like it. I like the fact you can say, you put, you know, a, a rice pudding in the oven, come upstairs, do a show, go downstairs and it's all crisped up. It, I like all that. You do your washing. I like not having to get onto traffic and all, be involved with all that. How, you know, when somebody first suggested you do one, what, what was your, can I just ask, what was your immediate reaction when somebody said, do you fancy doing a, a gig online? Well, it was me. I said to myself, do you fancy doing it? <laughs> and I went, go on then, let's try it. How are you going to do it? Well, I think you're going to have to buy some stuff. You're going to have to remember your passwords for Yahoo. You're going to do this and do that. <laughs> you better get on Amazon and order yourself a longer wire for that. I did all that. It was me. <laughs> so I said yes to me. I, I didn't. I was very resistant, very resistant to change. And um, when I got asked to do, and I think it was Jared Christmas asked me very early on in lockdown, uh, he, he was running his night and he went, I'm just going to do it online, Jane, and I would love it if you would do it. And I was like, mate, I can't, I just, I have no idea what I would do. And so for a couple of weeks, he was quite persistent and sent me videos and went, look, this person has done this and this person's done that. You can do whatever you want. Just chat. It's 10 minutes. Just, you know, make it your own, whatever. And I didn't know how to even approach it. And then eventually, of course, a couple of weeks later, I went, come on, Bristol, you've got to get, get, get a grip. And then I've started to do them. And I do enjoy them, but it's a, it's a different thing, isn't it? It's a different experience and a different skill, I think. It's definitely a different skill. Um, I've been trying to make it as... I've got this show called Barbara's Lock-In. And um, I've, been, I've been raffling online. And I found I, I found a way of doing it. I like the challenge of it. I love I've, it. I've, I've done it. I can I can do it. I can raffle online. And what's lovely is I don't have to keep replenishing the raffle. I'm saving a lot of money. I get them to come up with. So say I'm raffling. Oh, I don't know. Some um, instant whip. So I have got an in, an interval that say, right, if you've not got any strawberry instant whip, just get something a bit like it. And then they show me what they've got as their alternative raffle prizes. And then who's won it? I just say, what well, you, you know, show me your alternative thing. And I pass mine through the screen and they pass theirs back a bit. It's good, Jen. It sounds brilliant. Well, they start thinking creatively, love. And also, because they're in their house, their own house, I get them doing things like, you know, say, right, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to get dressed up as Marge Simpson. <laughs> then people run around. <laughs> people run around that. They'll all be doing this now. But remember, I started it. All the big names will do it, Jen. I know they will. But And Steven Spielberg's always listened to this bloody podcast, getting ideas he off is, me. He's a huge fan. He's massive, Steven Spielberg. He's always listening. What's Barbara doing it? Because the world will be doing what Barbara's doing today, tomorrow. Yeah. So... <laughs> So, all right, Stephen. So, um, 
I'm doing all these kind of things. So I think it's like anything. What always interested me about stand-up was this idea that you're on stage with a load of people and you can make anything happen. So I suppose that's my that's my feeling about about this. What can we do together? I've always been interested in that. I so it, I'm fascinated by that. It's it's because what you're talking about is not is something more than um, performing. It's making a connection, isn't it? So you're when you're on stage, you're trying to make a connection with the people in front of you. And and that connection is, is, is a relationship, isn't it, of sorts. And so then people are invested in, in whatever you're doing. And so you, if you do suggest them that they should go out and find some thing that makes them look like Marge Simpson, they're into it, they're up for it, because they're, they're involved, they're invested and they're, and they feel like you're personally talking to them. And I think that is a real gift and a real, it's actually a real skill, and, and there's a lot of comedians who, 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 even if they wanted to, they just can't. They can't create that um, kind of atmosphere that I have seen you do so, so many times. Um, and, and I like to think that I try to do that as well. Is 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 so that people yes. when they come and see me that they feel like that they've got something from it, and it's not just me talking at them. I hope anyway. Yeah, you absolutely do that, and that will still happen on Zoom. I think the essential thing that we are as performers. I think it's a shame when certain people won't do it because I've asked, because up for my show, I've asked some people, they go, oh, I can't do it, so I won't do it. And I think, oh, what a shame. And I bet, I bet, um, Jared felt exactly the same about you. I know you'll be brilliant at this. Whereas I've seen some people think, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, isn't it always the way? The ones that you think would be great are going, oh, I'm not sure. I think, hurry up because this bugger shouldn't be doing it. You come forward. I've, I've done it. I've done quite, so many of them now. And, um, and I love to watch other people doing it, you know? So I, I get, um, I like to watch, if I can, the whole show and watch how other people are, are, are using Zoom and adapting their act or their persona or whatever it is to to try to create in a connection with the audience or make the audience laugh. And it, it's fascinating to see what what how some people have like not adapted at all. They've just whatever they've done on stage before, they're now doing it in front of their laptop. And it's like, no, you've got to you've got to change it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's really interesting about what you've said there, Jen, is watching the whole show because when you first start out in comedy, you watch everything, don't you? Um, and you think, I'm dead interested. I want to watch how the compare works. I want to watch how it all works. And after a bit, as you get more experience, you, you might not watch the whole show. Or there was that stuff where everybody's doubling up. So you're not even there. And I think one of the great things about this new comedy highway of Zoom is that we're all learning again together. I think it, it's re, it has re-sparked an interest in it all in me, to be honest. I think it's a good thing. It's weird, isn't it, that, that, that um, there's something really levelling about this because, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Romish Ranganathan or you're an open micer, we're all doing Zoom gigs. <laughs> it's lovely. We're all just doing a gig in front of our laptop. And, and yes, there are certain... Um, there are certain sort of gigs that you can do, Zoom gigs that you can do, where there'll be a bigger audience, certainly. But ultimately, that that you're, we're all doing the same thing. We're not in. It doesn't matter. You're not. Some person's doing it in a pub, and someone's doing it in a, a three thousand seater. We're all just all. We're all on Zoom, and there's something um, quite interesting about that. I imagine for for audiences as well. 
And also, you can get a bit nosy and have a look in people's houses. Oh, it's lovely for that, isn't it? It's absolutely lovely for nosing. Getting ideas for colour schemes. Lovely. Now, tell us about your book. I want to know about your book now, kid. So, I wrote this book, um, uh, and for people listening that have no idea who I am, um, um, I wrote a book called The Other Mother, which came out um, in September last year because I'm in a relationship with a, with a woman and we have two children and she is a biological um, mother to our two boys and I am what can only be described as the other mother. And when my partner was pregnant, I guess I, I, I suppose I was like, oh, I, I wonder if there's anything out there that sort of, that I can read where it tells me about my experience or, you know, can speak to me or something. And I looked and I couldn't find anything. Well, actually, that's not true. I found one book and I bought it and it was ever so earnest. And I thought, oh, I can't read this. It was all a bit too serious. So I um, started to write these sort of, uh, I guess, blog posts for Standard Issue, which is Sarah Millican's um, website. Oh, yeah. And then they, they, they sort of grew and friends of mine were like, you should make this into a book. So I wrote a book proposal over took me forever by the way um wrote this book proposal and sent it um and i you know i was very fortunate very fortunate i mean that there's very few things in this in this industry that have come easy everything i felt has been very (laughs) long and tedious and very hard work but I, i i i really got lucky with the book maybe it was just timing uh serendipity but i i i got a an agent very quickly a literary agent and she was amazing and got me a book deal almost immediately so um the book um was to fill that gap i suppose and also it's funny it's a memoir it's a memoir of like a conception to the first two years of my children's um lives and um it's the intention is to make people laugh and if you have kids it will be quite cathartic and if you don't have kids hopefully it will just be funny so oh, it's, that was this easy. sounds absolutely brilliant and a great reason to do it as well because you were looking for something and it wasn't there yeah i think that's really great jen just to fill the gap and i've had you know a lot of people message me going thank you for writing this book because mm. i am also the other mother and i had all the same neuroses you do and it's i just made me feel better about it and i don't feel so crazy because you can you can so can you hear my children yeah it's lovely she, she's not lying about these kids it's all true i can hear them screaming and there they are downstairs either this mic is really good or they are really loud Aww. um but um yeah yeah so that that's why i wrote it and um and actually, I, I I was quite it was quite pleasurable to write to a degree. I mean, the last bit is always awful when you're doing the edits, but the the main of it was was um, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. So I feel very fortunate to have gotten that. So tell us about it, where people can get it, and also are you up for some kind of a prize for it, love? <laughs> Barbara, I love the way you've uh, brought that up. So I don't think <laughs> she's done her She's on top of Dad the game. for a housewife. I know, flipping heck. I'll tell you what, I've done so many uh, things to promote my book and not a single person has mentioned it. So, um, yes, oh, um, good. I got long-listed for the Polari Prize, which was such a... Um, uh, I, I was really chuffed because I didn't even know I was in the running for it. So to get long-listed uh, with, with, like, proper people who, who proper authors is, is, like, crazy. So I was so delighted to get that. And, of course, you can buy my book um, at all good bookshops. Uh, I say that because any bookshop that doesn't have it is not a good bookshop. <laughs> um, 
and you can buy it online i'm sure if you don't want to um, enter into a shop which i don't blame if you don't fancy that yes yeah, so you can get it online it's, pr- it's called the other mother and it's by me Good. Now, listen, what is the Polari Prize? I don't want to sound ignorant, love, but I've never heard of it. Oh, no, I'll tell you, the Polari Prize is, I suppose, a, a prize for queer writers. So right. So, gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans writers. And, um, yeah, so, but it's it's been going, I, I, I can't off the top of my head remember how many years it's been going, but it's been going um, a, a while. And um, they always have fantastic um books included and i've i've obviously been aware of it for some time so to be included on that list is is very exciting for me um yeah so it's a real treat polari isn't that the language of the sort of secret language of gay and lesbians in this was it the 50s and stuff that, that is what it's from isn't I it, was, it i think it was more gay men and right. it was used um uh, in uh, famously in round the horn um, That's right. Kenneth people, Williams. They, I mean, they, they, they use a lot of Polari, and um, obviously Kenneth Williams is is gay, or was gay rather. Uh, and I think it went over the heads of most of the audience listening to it. But um, but they really, yeah, yeah, they enjoyed it. But but, but so um, legs, it's lallies, isn't it? Yeah, there's loads of Polari. I mean, there's some Polari that is still used actually. And actually, there, there is there's like a whole list of words. And if you um, if 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 you were if you were to Google Polari and you there are words that you go oh we we just use that normally and there's loads of other stuff yeah you can't give us an example can you Jen um I can't I can't, I can't really um let me see. I can I can very quickly Google it his papers look at his papers um nice I'm just trying to put Polari oh um some of it is a word let's say. Ajax is uh, short for bisexual, um, or adjacent. Cleaner. Or ACDC for bisexual, rather. Um, Alamo, they're attractive. Um, There's stuff in the um, bevy, drink. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bona, like bona fide, bona, good. It means good, Um, doesn't it, yeah. Blag is a pickup. Right. And uh, cackle is gossip. So there's stuff in there that you're like, that kind of feels. And obviously camp. Language. Camp, which means effeminate. Now, I like the fact that we've mentioned, um, what was he called from from um, around Ken the hall? Kenneth. Because yesterday, all live, Shing and Yang, and Shui, start skiing Hutch. And I had a, a lad on who was doing Kenneth Williams impersonations. Can you impersonate anybody, Jen? Doesn't matter if you can't. I wish. I wish I had that gift to do impersonations. Um, um, I've, I've never been very good at that sort of thing. I, uh, I've got friends of mine that can that are brilliant. I tell you, who's very good. Like Sean Walsh is absolutely fantastic at impersonations. Well, okay. Um, and who else was I with that was really Jimmy McGee? I don't know if you know Jimmy McGee. And no, they, like... they, 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 they both do like absolutely spot on impersonations close your eyes and that person is there and i've said to them why do you never do any of it in your stand-up and they were like what why would i do it in my stand-up and i'm like because it's just funny if you went into an impersonation even if it was like for one line it's people i mean i the, the i'm famous for doing impersonations of my mum uh, wait now do do that jen go on i've seen you do this it's good go on love be your mother <laughs> Be my mother. Well, my mum, she's, I don't know, she does, she likes this, it's Spanish, um, kind of a little bit aggressive. 
and angry about things. Boris Johnson, my God, that man, I hate him. Um, she's constantly in a state of irritation. Um, and I've, I've, yes, I'm very, um, I've used her. I mean, I often used to just stand in a kitchen with a notebook and go, well, that's going in the, that's going in the old stand up month. Thanks very much. But, um, and also she's moved near me now, so I get to see her. All I can hear are my children and it's doing my head in. I'm going to say that we're going to call this to play because I've got to go back on my Zoom call. I think you probably need to go downstairs to your lovely kids. And I, I absolutely have adored talking to you and I have always adored your stand-up from the moment I saw you. I think the first time I saw you was in Edinburgh years and years and years and years ago. I remember thinking, God, this girl's dynamite. I think you're brilliant, Jen. I think you're one of our greatest comedians. Well, I've always, whenever you're uh, at Edinburgh, I always take someone to come and see you because uh, I'm... I absolutely adore watching you, and I, uh, I'll never, I'll never ever get bored of seeing you doing an hour. Oh, it's bless an you. absolute pleasure and a delight. So, and this is oh, great. Thank you for having me. Oh, and honestly, I've got to go, but I love you. Thanks, kid. Go back to your kids, and, and everybody will buy the book. I'm convinced about that. Ta-ra, love. Ta-ra. Gotta go. Ta-ra, love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.